This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace. Welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. And I know I'm always excited about my guests, but this is somebody who has been not only kind of a friend, but also an inspiration to me for, I think, two years now. So welcome, Andy. Andy Vermage from co-founder of One Year No Beer. Yeah, I love it, Andy Ramage. Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, isn't it? It's been a wonderful journey. And even to think back that couple of years when we first met, how far we've both come now. It's been, it's been really exciting and it's going to get more exciting, I think. That's, that's the best part. Yeah, it's so awesome. So I first found, I was just kind of bumbling along trying to um, build a little bit of a website to get my book out into the world. And I found the One Year No Beer site that you guys had put together and you had just all this amazing content, beautiful videos, and it was so inspiring and it was such a good message. And I just like, I don't know who reached out to who, but I think it was me to you because I was like, oh my gosh, we have to, I love what you're doing. I just, I love it. I've been watching it. Um, I think we've been watching each other and it's just, it's really awesome what, what you guys are doing. Exactly. And it's sharing that same message that there's nothing to give up and there's everything to gain. That's the, that's the key, key part to all of this. It's that positive message and that shines through all the stuff that you do and the, and the books, which are wonderful. I mean, our audience love, um, the Naked Mind, they absolutely adore it. It's probably the number one book that comes up within conversation, which is such a testament to you. And we love it to get on the back of that and see how well you've done. And obviously with the fully published book with, is Penguin? Yep, Penguin. Really oh, it's, exactly. it's just fantastic to see. And it just adds to both our missions, which is just to get out there into the world and help as many people as possible and just spread the message. That's all it is, giving people options. Yeah, it's so true. So where did it sort of start for you, Andy? Like where, you know, what was... What was kind of the catalyst in your life? But you know, if we go right back, probably about 10 years ago, I read one book um, and it was uh, Anthony Robbins' Awaken the Giant Within, which mm. is such a classic self-help book. But I have I've that on been, my desk right now. Yeah, I, I've, got, I've got two <laughs> of them now. I've, I've wore out the first one, literally from overuse. <laughs> it's just a game changer. And that was, so that was 10 years ago. I read that book and I can almost tell you where every book has come from, you know, where I read it, which normally leads to another book, which, you know, or a recommendation. And that was one of those books that sat on my uh, shelf next to my bed for months. And I can't even remember how it got there. You know, it's one of those sort of almost mystical things. I read that book and it just blew my mind. So I was early thirties, an oil broker in the city, had a thriving business at that stage read that book and just went, oh my God, that's just changed everything for me. I've just finally realized that I have total control over my thoughts, my emotions, my beliefs. I had no idea I was being dragged around by you know, society and the world and um, conventional wisdom. And it was a game changer. So I applied it pretty, pretty quickly to my business. That started to really accelerate. Then I started to look at myself, you know, diet, exercise, um, nutrition and all these things. And I'd love to say that I just turned into this like fitness god overnight, but I didn't. I really struggled with all those elements. I struggled with my diet. I struggled with exercise routines. And I'm, you know, a former professional footballer. I was a professional footballer to the age of 24. So I know all about exercise and routines and discipline. I couldn't get anything going. Um, and I was, you know, I was probably like a six out of 10 in terms of my happiness. This made no sense. You know, if I was led to believe that when you get to the city, you make a few quid, you meet a nice lady, you get home, you have some kids, and then you're blissfully happily. And I'd done all that. 
And here I was like a six out of 10. It just, it, I couldn't compute it. So I went on a bit of a well-being adventure really just to try and find out where this six out of 10 was and could I get it to an eight out of 10. As mentioned, I'd read the Anthony Robbins book. And then finally, I reckon about two years later, I finally, and this is what, it's almost comical when you look back at, on it. I finally saw the wood for the trees and thought, I wonder, should I address this alcohol thing? It was like nuts. It was the, it was the last thing I ever thought of even considering because alcohol was me, part of my life. It's how I entertained. It's how I won business, did business. You know, I was first in, last out the bar. I was a you know, fun time, four pint Andy. You know, that was the character, the persona that I built. So the thought of even questioning that was just, was just nonsensical to me. But then eventually I plucked up the courage and thought, oh, maybe it is this alcohol thing. And I started to bounce around a little bit. I did two weeks here, three weeks there a week, then five months back to normal a week, two weeks. And I actually found it really difficult. And then I made this big proclaimed statement one day that I was going to do a challenge, this one year, no beer, right? Because I just needed something to, to grasp to because it was actually really starting to piss me off that I couldn't actually get a decent run of, of non-drinking going. Um, and everyone laughed. Uh, you know, rightly so. And, and, and they said, you won't even last a month. And do you know what? They were right. I didn't. And I told loads of people at this stage, I was going to do this big challenge. I think I got three weeks in and I slipped up and it was really embarrassing and it was a tail between legs moment. And I must admit, I started to doubt myself at that stage. I started to think, hold on a minute. You just put yourself under pressure. You've been banging around for a couple of years with this. Maybe I've caught this disease. Maybe I've got these 40 genes maybe i've just got no willpower I, I, you know what i don't think i can do this maybe i should do what everyone else does hide in the crowd and just continue drinking and that was a real big moment for me because when i think back i think so many people get stuck right at that point there because they start to doubt themselves they start to worry and they go and hide in the crowd and that's where problems come from because then the next time you see them is when there's a full-blown problem and they need they need a different type of intervention but I wasn't there, right? That's key in my story. I wasn't at that point. But what I did do, I started to study. Started to study NLP. Started to, I went back to university, studied a degree, master's degree in positive psychology. I was fascinating. Why couldn't I crack this thing? It started to really interest me. And then, of course, as part of that learning, I looked around for other role models and other organizations. And there was nothing. Zip, zero available to me. Nothing. You know, apart from that one funnel, that stereotypical place that all well-meaning friends, family and GPs and doctors send you to, if you even mention the words alcohol and problem in the same sentence, they send you to one place, which is amazing, by the way, the 12-step program or AA or these places for that tiny segment of people that it's amazing for. And it's just like a life changer for, but for everyone else, there was nothing zero zip no role models no understanding no learning no communities and for that reason when I started going again and I got to three weeks and then I got to four weeks and my life started to transform I never forgot that moment that there was nothing available to me and then I got to this 28 days and I remember it really clearly and um, my eyes were bright I felt energized again and I thought you know what this is fantastic this is how life's meant to be you know my wife was in love with me I was in love with the kids you know, the sun was shining. It was one of those epiphany type moments. I thought, I'm going to keep going. And I remember it really clearly. I went back to work again. And at the time, my boss at the time said to me, no uncertain terms, if you continue on this little challenge of yours, your business will suffer if not be over. Right? That wow. is serious social pressure. You know, I've got a family, kids, you know, mortgages and all that sort of stuff. 
And here's the guy you admire in the business saying to you, your career will be over if you continue on your silly little alcohol-free adventure. And this was me about four weeks in. But luckily, I just thought, I'm onto something here. I can feel it building. I'm just going to keep going, which I did. Four weeks became six weeks, became two months, became three months. Life transformation. You know, firstly, I lost a lot of weight. Three stones, that's 42 pounds. Body fat, yeah, plummeted from 35% down to below 10 as mentioned, I'd gone back to study again. I changed my diet. I was energized. My relationships were better at home and in the boardroom than they'd ever been. Boardroom, that is office, in case you get confused that with bedroom. I know I've said that before. <laughs> I've got confused. And I started to smash all those myths around alcohol that had kept me pinned in for so long that you need it to have fun. You need it to be cool. You need it to do business. Absolute nonsense. No, you don't. Not at all. And I proved it firsthand. And I felt great. Do you know what? I felt really great. And I thought, this is the best thing that I've ever done. I'm not giving something. I've just gained this massive advantage. What is all this nonsense about, you know, that you need this thing in your life and you're missing out? And I had the absolute opposite experience to that. And I was so infused by it all. I was like, I've got to do something about this. I've got to share this with someone. And in walks Ruri Fairbanks, who's the co-founder of One You Know Bit, another broker. I saw him about six months into this whole process. And he couldn't get over it because firstly, I lost all the weight. Um, so, and he couldn't get over that the business was thriving. That inspired Ruri, who then had a similar break. Guess what? We met three months later. Ruri looked amazing. His business was thriving. His relationships were better than ever. His eyes were bright again. We were like, hold on a minute. This has happened to the two of us now. And we've both been told all this conventional wisdom nonsense for the last thousand years that we need this thing. And we've just had this amazing experience. And then to sort of cycle back to the start of that story, because there was nothing available to us, because there was no role models or no community that suited us at the time, we thought, let's just do it ourselves. And that was the start of it. We wrote a little ebook, which we put out on the web. We had no idea what was going to happen with that. In five minutes, it was in hundreds of countries and thousands of downloads. As you know, from the internet, it's this powerful thing now. And we expected it was just going to be brokers like us in the city. And it just took off. It seemed to capture people's interests. Fast forward about a year, um, we approached Pam McMillan about writing a book, Bluebird, which had just released their book, The 28-Day Alcohol-Free Challenge. We've managed to help thousands of people, and we're just warming up. And as part of that process, I met your lovely self and, and realized, actually, there's a few more people than I realized doing this, but not many, not enough. And that's, I guess, real fast forward into where we are now. That's the real mission now, is to help more and more people spread this message to as many people as we can, there's nothing to give up and everything to gain. All you've got to do is give it a try. That's it. There's no pointing fingers or telling anyone off. Do a challenge with us or pick up Annie's book or do one of Annie's courses or do a course with us. It doesn't matter where you do it, just as long as you do it and just see what happens. And if you feel brilliant at the end of it, keep going. I think yeah. it's as simple as that. Yeah, I think that we every single challenge there is, and this is just so typical for dry January, is we enter into these things with this expectation that it's going to suck. You know, and the thing in that brilliant book that we we're just talking about is he talks all about expectations are just these rules we have for our lives. And are the rules that we have for our lives helping us or are they hindering us? And if you have this rule for your life that you need alcohol to socialize or to have a good time, then you you will. But guess what? If you go into a challenge without those expectations, just saying, hey, how, how is this going to be? I'm just going to see. I'm not going to expect it to suck. I'm not going to expect my life to change. I'm not going to expect it to be amazing. I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to see how it goes. That's when I think the magic happens is when you can let go of those expectations. Yeah. And that is why it's so powerful. That's why I know all we have to do is get people to experience it. That's it. You know, come and do a challenge or take a bit of time off. And then you realize what it feels like again to be fully motivated and fully energized. Now, don't get me wrong. What does happen as well to lots of people that when they take away the alcohol, they realize that there's some underlying issues that they've never dealt with before. Right. And that's really powerful as well, because that's a fantastic piece of awareness right there to know that maybe there's some anxiety there or maybe there's some depression there or maybe there's social anxiety or whatever it is. But then you can learn to deal with those things without that crutch of alcohol, which becomes the problem itself in the end. Eventually, you can actually deal with them with a clear head. And that in itself is a massive realization. And actually, to take it one step further, if you genuinely take 90 days off alcohol and get to the end of it and think, you know what, my life is better without alcohol. Sorry, it's better with alcohol. At least you know you can look yourself in the mirror and know that you've seen both sides of the coin. And that's fair enough. And if you get to 90 days, I think we have something like 85% of our members who reach 90 days continue with their challenge. Because why would you go back? That's my thing. Why would you go back to hangovers, lethargy, regret, and all that other guff that you just don't need in your life when you feel so great? Just keep going. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's so, it's so interesting because I think that this idea of you know, really breaking the convention, because the convention is that if, if you're even questioning it, you need to give it up forever. You need to be done forever. That's it. You are in this box. You fit the stereotype. You are a quote alcoholic and you have to live this life of sobriety. And here's some, you know, rules for how you do that. Whereas like what you're saying and is just like, look, there aren't rules. Like just try this, just experience this and see how it makes you feel. And I think that's just so, so powerful. Yeah. And we see it all the time. Like for my personal choice now, I don't drink. So it's four years ago since I stopped, I have no rules on that. I just don't drink because why would I? I don't see the point. That being said, I completely get that lots of people do want to return to drinking in some shape or form. My co-founder, Rui, is a brilliant example of that. He's done two year long stints uh, of, of not drinking. And now he drinks every now and again. And I'm with him every five minutes. We're literally like husband and wife at this stage, to be fair. I see more of him than I do my own wife. Um, he barely ever drinks. I mean, you're talking once a quarter he might have a couple of drinks you know when he wants to in complete control and i've seen Rui where it was before that is a transformation in itself and that's what the message we're trying to get across it's not abstinence is not the holy grail of this area at all it's about control again and what it does when you take those breaks and you come back you are transformed anyway because you've experienced what life's like again without alcohol. And then when it starts to creep back in and it starts to go a bit pear-shaped and you start to feel lethargic and tired and all that stuff that you don't need in your life, you know what's on the other side because you've been there and you've experienced it. So what happens is people just come back and they'll do another challenge, only this time they do it longer or they do a longer challenge or a longer challenge and so on and so forth. But it's not about this set rules of you can never drink again, that's the end of it. Forget all that stuff. You know, the science backs it up. You know, the, 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 if you're talking the disease model and all these things, it just doesn't play out. You know, I look at the books behind me if you're on YouTube, I guess it's a podcast, but I love this stuff. And that's really the great irony of this is the day I stopped drinking, I fell in love with alcohol. All I do is talk about it and read about it all day long. But I've got no interest in drinking the stuff ever again. But it fascinates me. This whole area fascinates me because it's so nuanced and it's so huge. You know, the whole 
alcohol-free spectrum of it, you know, of, of, I don't even like the word problem. I haven't even got a good word for it. But anyone who's questioning their relationship with alcohol, that spectrum is massive. Yet we seem to be focused on this tiny little sliver right at the end of quote unquote serious problem drinkers when this spectrum is huge all the way out to the, you know, once a month wine drinker to the binge drinker to the glass of wine drinker to the bottle of wine. Do you know what I mean? There's massive and we need to give people choice. And what Annie and, and I and Addie Jaffe and all these people are trying to do is give people this fresh approach, this approach of look, there's nothing to give up. There's everything to gain. Come and try it out spend a bit of time alcohol free and see what happens and debunk some of the myths because there's so much mythology out there around alcohol that it confuses people continually. I guess you experience that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think the, the idea of, you know, giving people, giving people a choice and, and just looking at how we treat it now in our society is basically like we don't, if we compare it to something like, let's say weight, weight, right? We don't even look at it until somebody is so obese that they need gastric bypass surgery in order to address the problem. That's how we look at alcohol. Like we're not looking at, you know, where you're starting to, you know, slow down a bit because your joints hurt, like forget that. Or where you, you know, can't quite fasten your seatbelt on the airplane, forget that. We're, we're waiting until the point where you are hitting a rock bottom, where you've had such a negative experience that you're actually at this place of complete and total self-loathing and shame and then and then you're going and saying okay we have something for you now um there's even a saying and that you know you just haven't hit bottom yet so you're not ready to get help well i mean i never hit bottom by anybody's standards certainly it was not somewhere i wanted to exist anymore but I think that that's such an important thing because not only is a spectrum just about hitting bottom, but it's also about, you touched on it earlier, Andy, the reasons that people drink because there's so many people who drink, they start drinking at a very young age and they're numbing emotional trauma in their life and numbing psychological trauma. And I'd say something like a 12 step program can really work on that because it's a life plan. It's an entire program of how you're going to run your life and how you're going to treat your friends and how you're going to treat yourself and how you're going to treat your neighbor and how you're going to run your spiritual life. So there's all this stuff baked into that. But then there's people like you and I who I didn't even really drink in college. It was because of my career, because very similar to you, I was told, hey, this is a necessary part of this whole corporate lifestyle and of success. So I didn't have these foundational things that I was numbing. Certainly you can numb stress or whatever, but it wasn't this trauma. It was just that alcohol is addictive. And that bit gets completely glossed over when we look at this traditional model of, you know, not treating it until you are in that very small percentage of people. And, and clinically, it's very interesting because the Center for Disease Control says of excessive drinkers, and that's just defined as like eight drinks per week for women and 15 per men. So that's what excessive drinking is only 10% of those drinkers are clinically addicted. So it's the 90% who are still struggling with it. 15 drinks a week does not make you feel good, <laughs> you know? This, and so... This is it. This is what... Because I heard a stat uh, once. I read it, I think, in Stanton Pills, a guy that I read all the time in, in one of his books, that the AA, for example, again, which is amazing at helping the one, would help, say, one in 14 people, which is amazing. It's off the scale. It's transformational for that one person. But what about the other 13? Why are we not doing more for the other 13? And what about the 100 behind the 13? 
that don't even fit into the dependency box, that haven't even looked for help, that are struggling, are looking for role models, are looking for a way of, of being helped, but they're worried about being stigmatized or labeled. This thing is huge. It's absolutely massive. And, and again, that's why I think we just need to keep getting ourselves out there, spreading the message, podcasts, books, all the things that we're doing, just to hit home to more and more people that there are now other different style options and it might not be one you know beer that works for them. it might be annie grace that works brilliantly for them, or it might be aa the key is that people have got a plethora of options and they don't feel they're all funneled into one you know one element right at the end and if that doesn't work for them there's nothing and i think that's what actually causes more problems down the line because people bounce out of that system and it's not the system's fault it's because they're getting sent the wrong people all the time because I don't feel there's enough choice. I think that's super important. And why I'm on a roll, the best bit about all of this is that this is just a warm up to the much bigger game. The much bigger picture is actually about self-actualization. And the alcohol thing is just the excuse to come in to get on top of that. And when you do, you get the chance, all this other good stuff, you know, just getting on top of your career, your, you know, your finances, your family, your health, your wealth, your happiness, all those things. It sets up the most amazing platform. And Annie, you've seen this so much. I'm sure the same as us. Just see these huge transformations. And the huge transformation is not in just giving up the alcohol. The huge transformation comes next when people lose weight, get fit, get healthy, you know, reignite their old passions, you know, reestablish their relationships with their family. That's where all the real good stuff is. The alcohol thing is just an excuse to, to get started with that. And that's, I think, the most exciting part about all of this is that it's a, an adventure you're going on rather than this thing that's, oh, my God, I'm going to miss out on this thing for the rest of my life. It's actually the key to the best part of your life, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I think two things happen. It's probably a lot more, but two things happen when you decide that you're going to take a break from alcohol is one, you don't have the tool that's numbing whatever's wrong in your life because the things that you're numbing, those feelings, those emotions, that physical pain, whatever it is, that's some help in this area of your body telling you, your mind telling you, your psyche telling you, it needs some help. But you don't have that tool to numb it, so you have to start addressing it. And that's, that's absolutely brilliant. And then the second thing that happens is that you've said yes to yourself probably for the first time ever in your entire adulthood. You've said, okay, I'm going to do something for me, for my well-being. And when you say yes to yourself in one area, it becomes like this whole entire world opens. I had never even read a self-help book and I don't even like the term self-help, but, but something like Awaken the Giant Within never even picked up those books until, you know, probably a year after I stopped drinking and all of a sudden it was like, wow, I'm really interested in, you know, how the thoughts affect my emotions and, and what I could do about that. You know, I'm interested in these things. And so you say yes to yourself and then all of a sudden you start saying yes to yourself in all these other areas. It's just absolutely amazing experience. Exactly. It's the sort of reverse. It's like the gateway drug. Giving up alcohol is like the gateway drug to all the good stuff. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's totally. It's that reverse. You turn that on its head. And that's why I love it. You know, we run masterminds at One You Know Beer and these sort of six-week get-togethers. I'm on Instagram every day live and our Facebook page live every day. I'm just waxing lyrical about this stuff because I love it. And I see the people come in that have the transformation around alcohol 
and then vomp, they're off. It's all the next good stuff. What next? What about my diet? What about my exercise? Right, you'll see them picking up the books like Awaken the Giant Within, all those empowering books, because actually they've worked it out. That stuff has been holding them back for the last 20 or 30 odd years. And now this is their chance to shine. And with that comes responsibility. And actually for lots of people, it's a bit scary. It's a bit daunting because this is another thing I see a lot. People suddenly for the first time ever have the clarity of mind to start asking those bigger questions. What's life all about? What's my purpose? What's my meaning? And actually people find that a bit overwhelming at the start, I think, because they've spent the last 20 years just bulldozing those type of thoughts with alcohol. And suddenly here it is, and maybe they're in their 40s or 50s or 60s, and there's an element of, has that been a waste? No, I totally see the opposite approach. Now's your time to shine. That is the key that you've actually come to this realization because so many people never even make it to that point, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. They stay in that mindless drone of, drinking for every celebration commiseration day that ends in why stressful event and it just holds them back continually until it either develops into a problem or they outgrow it and that's another key thing from the research it says there was a huge study done um i can't think it's the american nanc or i can't remember it's from in stanton pill's book he mentions it that over i think they studied about sixty thousand people was the cohort 75 percent of them who were defined as dependent on alcohol, recovered themselves without any treatment over time. Yeah. And that blew my mind a little bit at the start. So I thought, hold on. And that just debunks the whole disease type myth in many ways, in, in my eyes, um, that you can't recover. Because clearly these people who were dependent just recovered eventually on their own. But here's the thing. They obviously had to wear a lot of pain before they got to that bit. And that's why obviously what we're trying to do and, and Annie and whatnot is to speed up that process for people that are either there or for people that just want to come in and do a challenge and actually just redefine and take a proactive stance around this whole alcohol thing, which is super important. Yeah. Um, on the disease thing, just interesting sort of side note is that I, I think similar to how you can be exposed to a toxin and it can create disease, there is probably something that eventually after decades of drinking heavily you can actually damage your brain to the fact oh, where you do yeah, have a disease but but it doesn't start that way and that's the yeah. thing i think that's where people get really confused is that you know we think that it starts that way like i mean i was told when i asked a friend in aa about stopping drinking i was told well i have i have i'm an alcoholic you're not like i was born this way and basically you know that in my mind was like okay well i guess i'll just keep drinking because I guess I'm not an alcoholic. You know, it was a very weird moment. But then eventually, certainly, you can give yourself, a, you know, a huge host of, of disease-related issues through drinking, but it, it doesn't start that way. And I think that's, that's the point. Yeah, and you've done a better job of articulating it there. Exactly. I think there comes a point when it does manifest itself like a disease. But that is way, 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 way down the line. Uh, but again, exactly that. The confusion is, oh, I drink a bit too much. I think I've got that disease. Yeah, I think I've caught, oh, my granddad, he was a drinker. He was a bit of an alcoholic. Therefore, yeah, it's in the genes. I think I've got that. And you can, I see it every day. People talk themselves in to their own problem. And then actually, when they come to us, you shake them out of it a bit and go, no, why, why are you, why identify with that? Why label yourself like that way? It's just not, it's not helpful. You know, look at it a different way. Maybe you're someone who doesn't have a disease. Is that, just drop that from your vocabulary. Just be someone 
who's actually on a, on a health adventure. Let's just completely transform everything and you don't happen to drink because it doesn't align with your values and who this new person you are. Don't carry that with you because it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's almost basic psychology in the end. Um, but again, I totally appreciate that some people need to identify themselves in that way to recover. And that is amazing in itself. But what we tend to find and what I can see from the research is the vast majority of people it, it, that is a not a helpful approach, basically. Yeah, and it's terrifying. I mean, quite frankly, because when I was faced with questioning my own drinking, the question wasn't, oh, would I be happier drinking a bit less? Or, you know, would I be happier with a few less hangovers? The question always in my mind, and I have journals of like years of this question surfacing at different times, and I felt like I drank too much, was am I an alcoholic? And that question, immediately I had this reaction of like, that's so scary because it was in my mind, this lifelong incurable disease that I stopped asking the question and I'd put it off and I'd put it off and I'd put it off. And I think that's the important thing is like, you don't have to ask that question. You don't have to answer the question. They're irrelevant. Let's just ask the foundational question of, well, let's not even ask any questions. Let's just take an experiment and say, how would it be to take a challenge? How would it be to take a break? And let's let your own experience kind of, you know, define your way forward. I think that's just such, it's, it lowers the barrier to entry from being this massive, unattainable, terrifying thing to just being like, yeah, I love what you guys say. It's a social challenge. I mean, yeah, really. exactly. And it's just, can you do it? You know, and it, it's the same mindset as well. It's all about mindset with a lot of these things. Clearly this is a major, major problem that lots of people have right so it's not as easy as just hey i'm just going to do a challenge that's it and it just disappears depending on where you are on that spectrum but it is the mindset of do you know what? i'm going to grow and learn along the way and if you slip up or we call them slip ups you learn from it and come back stronger and that's really important it's about nipping these things in the bud and not getting embroiled in the story of it all and thinking that's it i've had one drink that's it i've blown it i'm a failure i've got no willpower i might as well have 10 drinks it's like do you know what I've just slipped up there. All right, well, how can I learn from that mistake? And actually, so next time I don't slip up and then I get a longer streak and maybe you do two weeks and then you slip up. I certainly did. That's what I'm saying. It's not about being perfect, but I didn't give up. That was the key. And I kept coming back and I kept getting longer and longer streaks. And then eventually you crack it and it's done. Yeah. And you then, we call it like the alcohol-free magic, but somewhere between 28 and 90 days. And you see it all the time and it just clicks and actually no willpower is required then because you just fully align with this new person that you've become. And alcohol, there's no room for it. Right. And then it becomes easy because alcohol just becomes another inanimate object. It's like a liquid that happens, you know, my fridge over there is full of the stuff. My wife still drinks when I have people around. Um, they still drink. All of my friends and family still drink, but I don't have any cravings around them because it just doesn't, it's not on my radar anymore. It just fell off it, you know, a couple of years ago. And I think that's where a lot of people want to get to. And it's totally possible by just carrying a different type of mindset, a different approach that you're not giving anything up. I must tell you the funny story actually we're on that. My book, our book, and this is not a plug for the book. It's actually a story, but there's the book there. If you're on YouTube, it's the 28 day alcohol free challenge. That was a plug for the book. But anyway, <laughs> So here's me, right? Bearing in mind, I'm four years into this, haven't had a drink. I co-created a movement called One Year No Beer, the giveaway's in the title. I've written a book called The 28-Day Alcohol-Free Challenge, right? So I have this big celebration at my house. Invite, you know, this is closest friends and family. Come into this thing, right? Anyway, the doorbell goes. It's my mum and dad. Hey, you know, big kisses, champagne. So that's a good start. 
So they bring champagne in to celebrate. So I'm like, okay, right, fair enough. See how my brother's getting. Ding dong, brother opens the door. Whiskey. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, thanks for that. Right, it literally, more doorbell. Ding dong, ding dong. By, I think the, the 11th person that arrived, you've never seen so much booze in your life. And I had all my books all fanned out, ready to show everyone. And I thought, that just sums it up. If there was ever a, you know, a moment, a social moment when you didn't have to bring alcohol, this was it. Your son does, hasn't had a drink for four years. He's created a movement called One You Know Beer. He's, we're celebrating his book called The 28 Day Alcohol Free Challenge. And all everyone did was bring alcohol. And I think that just sums up what we're up against. It's so culturally ingrained in our society. It's nuts, isn't it? I think this is another yeah, thing. Yeah, probably people didn't even think about it. It was just probably like, oh, we're celebrating. He published a book. Buy the yeah. booze. Give him the booze. <laughs> I had to say to him, like, if there was ever a moment in your life when you could have maybe turned up with an alcohol-free option or maybe brought a cake or something different, that was it. And they blew it. A lot. <laughs> that's, that's, that is classic. Wow. But it's yeah. so true. It's, it's incredible how embedded it still is in, in our entire society. It's amazing. So I have two more questions yep. for you, Andy. This has been brilliant, by the way. I really love it. I could talk to you all day. Um, First of all, where do people find you? So where the book, 28-Day Alcohol-Free Challenge. Yep, cool. Um, and then um, oneyouknowbeer.com is the main website. Um, one You Know Beer on Instagram, as mentioned, I'm live on there every day. One You Know Beer on the Facebook page. And I think that's about it. One you, uh, O-Y-N-B-U-K on Twitter. But yeah, oneyouknowbeer.com okay. is the main place. Awesome. And then you have, you know, the 28-Day Challenge, the 90-Day Challenge. I think you guys even have a 365-Day Challenge where you actually send something out every day for 365 days. Is that you get an email from me and a video from imagine getting to me in your inbox for a whole year. What could be better? <laughs> I just, I'm just amazed that you've recorded <laughs> 365 videos. That, that blows my mind. That's incredible. Well done. That's very cool. Yeah, no, no. Exactly. That's, that's, that's passion. That is passion. That's amazing. So then my last question for you, Andy, is, um, you know, the guy that was, that was overweight, he was struggling. He was, playing with this idea. He was taking some time off. He wasn't quite stringing together enough time to make him happy. It was a six out of 10 on the happiness scale. What would you tell him today about what life's like on, on kind of the other side? Yeah, I mean, that's actually a, that's a brilliant question. I think what I would tell him is don't be scared. I think that's really important because I was really scared when I was a six out of 10 because I knew it was the alcohol thing. I finally intellectualized that but I was scared stiff about losing my business I was scared stiff about becoming me again isn't that weird like you're scared about becoming who you really are because I'd used this like mask this cloak for all these years and I thought what happens if I take that away am I going to be boring is my wife going to think I'm boring and the lad's going to think I'm boring and I think so for a lot of people that that prevents them getting over that first hurdle so I would say to myself do not be scared because what lies on the other side it's a thousand times better than whatever life could give you whilst you're drinking, in my opinion. You were fun time four pint Andy. <laughs> yeah, Are you right. still fun? <laughs> I am fun all the time. I don't need any pints anymore. That's the difference. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's not just, you know, the hour and a half or two hours after you drink the four pints. It's, it's 24 hours. <laughs> it's 24 hours, which is probably a bit much. There's probably quite a few people would prefer if I did go back to that, but I'm joking. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on, Andy. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been wonderful. 
This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.